Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Some of you may have been made aware of this, but I want to just say this in case some of you don't know. Um, Yesterday afternoon, Jerry Bray passed away. Many of you know Jerry and love Jerry and have um, been blessed by Jerry's faithfulness. He and Miss Carol over the years, uh, they have been teaching Sunday school at Rosemont from the beginning, I think. Um, So, I don't know, 50 years? It's pretty phenomenal to even say, but I think that's right. They've been teaching, and many of you have been touched by their lives and, and by their uh, influence. And so, uh, Mr. Jerry went to be with the Lord yesterday. The, the arrangements are Tuesday morning, they're all here. So there's a um, visitation from 10 to 11, and the funeral will be at 11 o'clock after the visitation here at Rosemont. Be in prayer for Miss Carol. Um, just talking to her yesterday, her strength is incredible. Her faith is just beyond understanding, and, and just... Um, she just prays the Lord that he's in a better place. Just, a, just an incredible opportunity uh, for her family to, to praise the Lord and just to see his glory and his beauty. But just be in prayer for them, if you would, that the Lord would just surround them and love them during this very difficult time. Let's pray together this morning and we're going to begin. Father, we, we praise your name uh, for uh, faithful men and women like Jerry and Carol Bray. I know there's so many others, Lord, that have just given their lives in service to you. Father, I thank you for Jerry specifically and for what he meant and for what he did at this church, Father, I thank you that he's no longer in pain. I thank you that even now he stares at your glory. And he sees things we can only imagine. Father, we're left as we always are in difficulties here to kind of pick up the pieces and, and try to figure out why and how to move forward. But Father, we praise your name for salvation. We, we praise you that we all have an opportunity through Christ Through Christ, through his sacrifice, we have an opportunity of salvation, Lord. Thank you that Jerry understood that. Thank you that so many others like Jerry have understood that. Thank you that we'll see him again, Father, and those that have gone before us. And Father, I I pray even now, Lord, we, we oftentimes look back, Lord, on what you've accomplished. But I pray right now you would raise up in our midst a generation, Father, just like Jerry and Carol Bray. A generation, Lord, that will be faithful, that will be willing to serve, that will be willing to give their lives for the sake of the kingdom. Father, I pray that they would be faithful to you all the days of their lives. Father, I thank you again for the opportunity you give us every Sunday to study and to pray and to trust you. Be with us as we open your word now, Lord. Just speak clearly into our hearts and into our minds through the power of the Spirit. May we be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and open to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We are stepping away from Acts this morning. We're almost a week from Christmas and I just wanted to think about the birth of Christ. I wanted to think about what that meant back then. But but even more specifically, I wanted to think about what that ought to mean to us now and how we ought to remember Christmas. And so as you're finding John chapter 1, I want to read from you out of Isaiah. I don't want you to look at Isaiah. You just go ahead and find John chapter 1. We'll get there in just a few minutes to think about the true light. Isaiah chapter 9. I love the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is filled with prophecies of Christ. 
Uh, if you've never had the chance to study and read Isaiah, you ought to do it. Written hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus and, and I. Uh, preach from Isaiah on a somewhat of a regular basis. Isaiah chapter 9, you'll be familiar with this passage of Scripture. But I just wanted to remind you that hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, it's foretold in His Word that He would come. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Those were basically the areas of Galilee, kind of what they were called in the Old Testament. But in latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, right? Christ was born in Galilee or south of Galilee and then lived in Galilee, did his ministry there. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of a deep darkness, on them light has shone. Now, we don't know who the light is. We don't know what the light means. And all of a sudden in verse 6, we read Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called. And all of a sudden we know this is no normal kid. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. It's a, it's a picture of who Jesus would be. It's a reminder of what Jesus was going to accomplish. God becomes man. It's this picture of, of perfect love and perfect grace and perfect mercy found in Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis said it like this, and, and I love C.S. Lewis because he has a way of just kind of explaining things to us. He says, the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful picture of who Christ is. You know, in, in this time of year, we, we love the lights and we love the presence and we love the excitement. I do too. I get caught up in that. But I think sometimes it's very easy for us to kind of forget who Christ was and what Christ accomplished and, and all he did for us. And so I just want to think through this morning the idea of the birth of Jesus and why he came and what it still means for us today. John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to kind of study the prologue this morning. Now, I'll just kind of say this in advance. We could spend weeks here because there's so much. There, there's so much depth that we're just really going to kind of skim the surface. But I would just encourage you, maybe as a family, to read through this. Uh, we, we, when, when our kids were small, we need to go back to this. I'm, I'm going to challenge you and I right now to do, to do this. We memorized this as a family. John 1, 1 through 14. Our whole family knew it. Our kids knew it. We said it on a regular basis. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. It's such a clear picture of Christ. We ought to be doing that again. But I would just encourage you as a family, read through this, think through this, spend time to delve into it, understand it, discuss it with your kids. We're going to take kind of a 30,000 foot view this morning and hit the high point. Take this as a springboard now to go home with your family, moms and dads, and really delve into this and think through it together. John chapter 1, verse 1, we have it on the screen as well, the first 14 verses. In the beginning was the Word. By the way, this would be like the chronological beginning of the Bible. If you were going to order the Bible uh, in order of the verses, this would be the first one because this precedes even the creation in Genesis 1. In the beginning, right, the very beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life, the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God 
whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God becomes man, the infinite becomes finite, the eternal one enters our world, the invisible becomes visible, Emmanuel, God with us. It's the greatest story ever told. It's the greatest story ever told. And so I want to give you truth this morning from these verses that will apply to our lives today and help us better understand and help us better appreciate and really walk through this Christmas time together. Here's the first truth I want you to see. Number one, the birth of Christ brought God to earth. Now, we are so accustomed in our world to thinking about that that we miss the glory of that statement. The very fact that the creator of the universe decided to step down out of heaven and enter this mess that we call a world is beyond my understanding. Why would the Lord do that? Why why would he care enough? I mean, why would he want to kind of enter into this junk and all the things that we've created and the, the problems? Why would he enter that? Because he loved us so much he wanted to step into this world to save us. That's what scripture teaches us. And so I want you to understand this truth because I I think some of you get this in John 1. Some of you probably don't, but I want to make a a connection for you that's really important before we go too much farther. Bring up verse 1 again, if you would, for me, please. John 1, 1 is is, is just fascinating to me because of the the, the tone it sets and it uses the word, word. So, So we see in John 1, in the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I had a conversation several months ago. I'd gone to the gym one afternoon, and there was a young guy at the desk, and he had his Bible open. Anytime somebody's got their Bible open, I mean, that's a great opportunity, right? I'm, I'm a pastor. I should take that opportunity. You should as well. And so I just asked him. I was just real casual. I was like, hey, man, what you reading? I'm reading my Bible. What, what, what are you reading in your Bible? I'm reading John 1. I was like, John 1, that's cool. I love John 1. And I'd studied it. It was very familiar. I was like, what is it talking about? And he was like, I don't know. He, he didn't quite get it. And so I just sat there for a minute with him. And I, and I just showed him in the passage of Scripture. I showed him John chapter 1, verse 1. And I said, what do you, what do you think the word is? Right? And we kind of talked about that just for a few minutes. And, and he kind of got it but didn't really get it. And I said, well, you know what? Let's take a look from John 1. Let's take a look down at verse 14. So, so pull verse 14 up if you would for me, please. John 1, 1 talks about the word was with God and the word was God. And then John 1, 14, the word became flesh. So, so just keep 14 there and go back to 1 just for a second. We're going to go back and forth just for a second, Wanda. So the Word was with God and the Word was God. Go back to 14. And then the Word became flesh. So if we wanted to insert God there, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, right? It's the, it's the picture of the incarnation of Christ. It's the picture of the coming Messiah, the, the eternal God, the creator of the universe, stepped down out of heaven and, and became man. And here's the thing that sometimes we, we don't get. He, he became fully man. 
And so he was hungry just like you were. He was thirsty just like you are. He got tired just like all the things that we experience in human form. He, he experienced those things. But he didn't just become flesh. Pull up verse 14 one more time if you would for me please. He, he didn't just become flesh. He became flesh and then what did he do? He lived among us, didn't he? You know, I, I think if, if I were to write this story, and of course the Lord never asked me, and I, I know he would never, but if he asked me kind of how this story ought to look. If he, if he were going to say something like this, listen, I'm going to send Christ down. He's going to come a human to the earth. What should that look like? I would say, well, my goodness, this is, this is the, the, the salvation of the world. This is our Savior. He should become a king and we should put him in a palace and we should build an ivory tower for him and we should bow down and do great things and celebrate his birth and pomp and circumstance and it should be a big deal and we should kind of throw all these accolades on him and instead we see this, this simple birth in a simple manger, and this child that grew up, and instead of living in an ivory tower palace away from us, he dwelt among us. He, he just kind of walked right into our lives, and he just stands there with us. It, it's a picture of, of how much he loved. It's a, it's a picture of, of what he chose to give. And, you know, we, we think about Christ with us. We think about Jesus kind of among us and we think about Him walking us through struggles and trials. And I think, you know what? Just to know that Christ is with us in the most difficult moments is great comfort to us, isn't it? Great comfort to us. I have conversations with people that have lost loved ones and, and, and there always turns kind of to the spiritual and discussion of the spiritual things. And oftentimes it kind of ends at this place. You know, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have Christ right now, if I didn't have this hope of eternity. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have this true joy found only in Jesus Christ. You know, I mentioned Jerry a few minutes ago and prayed for his family. He, he passed on very peacefully yesterday. He passed on very peacefully with Miss Carol right there with him and his son Ben. And the room just filled with people, probably 15 or 20 people there. And, and I just thought as I kind of stood there in that moment right beside Miss Carol and Ben, I just thought about the comfort we have, first of all, in a Messiah that one day we'll see him again, right? All of us have experienced loss and we have loved ones that have gone before us and if they're followers of Jesus Christ and we're followers of Jesus Christ, we have great hope and peace knowing that we'll one day see them. But, but kind of from an earthly standpoint, I found great comfort in just being surrounded by people that loved Carol and Ben and loved Jerry. There's comfort when people are around us that know us and care for us and want to be there for us. That's the way Christ lives in our lives. And the Bible says he, he, he didn't just become flesh. He became flesh and he lived among us. And that, that idea of dwelt, the original word there is tabernacled, which is a strange sort of word. But you think about the Old Testament and the tabernacle that was built out in the wilderness, the children of Israel. And the Bible tells us that the, the, the Spirit of the Lord kind of descended and the glory of the Lord kind of shone around the tabernacle. And it, it was the center of life for the Jewish people. They followed the tabernacle. They moved the tabernacle with them. It was a display of God's glory. Christ does that in our life. He comes and he lives and he displays his glory. He's in the midst of who we are just as the tabernacle was the center of life for the Jewish people in the Old Testament. Christ should be the center of life for us in our world today. Jesus says, I've, I've come to earth to, to share with you, 
to show you, to, to love you, to, to give myself of you. Now, now let's just, for a second, let's just apply that to our lives. Why, why does that matter? Because this is centuries ago. This is something for us that we celebrate today, but so many people have kind of forgotten why we celebrate. Why does it matter that Jesus Christ came to this earth? Why, why does it matter? Because it shows us that, that God isn't some distant God that sits on a throne and just looks uncaringly upon the earth. It shows us that we serve a loving God who desires a relationship with us. It's not just this foreign idea that we can't quite put our arms around. And You know, you talk to people about God and they're not quite sure. And he's kind of this big guy in the sky, right? And up and we're not quite, we don't know what that means. And how does that apply to our life? And I would say to you that if we kind of understand the truth of Scripture, Christ came, he dwelt among us to be with us. To be in relationship with us. To love us. To give his life for our sins. And so, so that's kind of the thought that we get into kind of in this next passage of Scripture, right? So, so he comes and he's, he's lived among us and he's, he's flesh, he's human, fully God, fully man. Now look again at, at verse 1. Pull verse up 1 if you would for me please. And we're going to walk through a couple more of these. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So in verse 2 now, He is Jesus, right? Because we've kind of made that connection in verse 14. So Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, this is important. In Him, now this is Jesus. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it or has not overcome it, some translations say. Here, here's the second truth. Right? Jesus comes to earth. God comes to earth in the flesh, lives among us, dwells in our lives. Birth, uh, verse number two, the birth of Christ, or point number two, the birth of Christ gives us life and light. Because Jesus came to this earth, because he lived among us, because he took on flesh, we received from him, the Bible tells us, life and light. Now I want you to notice, one of the things you do when you're studying Scripture, this is important to try to understand what God's showing you, is you look for uh, repetitive things. Like, are there certain things that he says over and over? Is he saying the same thing different ways? What's the main idea? And one of the things you see kind of in the middle portion of the prologue of these few verses is the word light. So just to point it out to you, let's look at verse 4 again. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Verse 5, go to 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Go to verse 7. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Go to verse 8. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Go to verse 9. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. So there's this, there's this picture, for whatever reason, of light. Like John wants us to see that Jesus came to the earth as flesh. He offers us life, but in that life was light. And in fact, if you were to study the life of Christ, especially, you would see that light is kind of all through his life. You may remember the story in Luke chapter 2. The shepherds are kind of out in the field and they're abiding over their flocks by night, right? The Bible tells us. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears to them. And do you remember what happened? The glory of the Lord did what? Shone around them, right? And they were terrified, the Bible tells us. There's this sense that kind of out in the middle of this field were these shepherds and vast amounts of just incredibly powerful light appeared all around them. I mean, that would terrify me. 
You know, if you're standing out in the backyard in the middle of the night looking up at the stars and all of a sudden everything just illuminated around you, you can imagine the fear, right? The glory of the Lord shone them. That light demonstrated to them the glory of the Lord. Jesus says in, in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 12, Jesus says, I've come into the world as a light. Right? There's, there's, all through the book of John, all through the New Testament, all through the life of Christ, we, we see this idea of light. We see this idea of the symbolism of light. And we, we, we ask the question, why would Jesus be referred to as the light of the world? What does that really mean? Right? We... we, we uh, kind of understand, those of us that have been in church for a number of years kind of understand that church speak, right? He's the light of the world. But what does that mean to, to the non-believer? What does that mean to the person that hasn't really studied? What, what does that mean to the person that doesn't fully understand kind of this analogy that John is using? Well, let's kind of make sure we understand very clearly what John's getting at here. In Scripture, we use light oftentimes, as we said, to refer to Christ and His goodness and His glory. Oftentimes, we use darkness to refer to evil and to sin and being separated from the Lord. And so you think about it kind of like this in, in, in our world. If you have ever been without light, you understand the difficulty, don't you? So like we, we've been in our house for several years now. I typically stay up later than Amy. I'm a night owl. So if you're ever awake at midnight, just call me. I'm probably up. We can chat for a little while. That's just, that's just how my body works. I don't sleep a lot. And I'm up pretty late. And when I go to bed, all the lights are off. But even though I've been in our house for several years, when I walk to my bed, I'm still kind of given one of these, Right? Because I don't want to hit my toe on the end of the bed or hit my knee or trip on something. Even though I've been in that house for a number of years, I'm still kind of stumbling around. Why? Because I can't see. We, we understand what, what living in darkness is like. The analogy is like this. For, for the person that is without Christ, that's what their life looks like. They, they don't ever quite know where they're going. You ever met that person? They're just uncertain about the future. They're, they're uncertain about what tomorrow brings. They don't find any real joy or, or hope about tomorrow or peace about what tomorrow might really bring. They're just stumbling around in the dark. They don't know that. Spiritually, they're blinded. They can't see like Paul was a couple of weeks ago. They don't know that there's scales or their eyes that need to be removed. But we can see it, right? We know that they're stumbling around in the, in the dark. That There's this fear of not knowing. There's this fear of, of afraid they're going to make a wrong decision or a wrong choice. Fear they're going to bump into something and not quite know what to do, right? And, and the Scripture tells us, that, listen, with Christ there's light. Right? He, he's given you this light. He's given you this lamp to your feet so you kind of know where to walk and, and how to live and, and what you ought to be doing next. Well, we had the chance last uh, fall, just a couple months ago, to go to Disney World as a family. And I talked a little bit about that when we came back. We had a great time. Loved it. We didn't know when we planned the trip months and months and months in advance it was going to be the same week that Hurricane Irma came through Florida, right? Had we known that, we may have changed our plans a little bit. But those of you with children who know about Disney World, have been to Disney World, you know once you make that payment, you are going to Disney World. <laughs> there was not a whole lot going to stop us from getting to Disney World. And so the day before we were supposed to leave, Hurricane Irma comes through, and of course it did the damage around here. We were fortunate here, didn't do a lot of damage. But we lost power for about 18 hours. And it went off kind of the afternoon before we were supposed to leave. And it literally came on probably 30 minutes before we left the next morning. And then going to Disney World with four kids is hard enough. Going anywhere with four kids is hard enough. But going to Disney World with four kids uh, when a hurricane's coming through and you have no power is incredibly difficult. Because you've got to find suitcases and socks and shirts and deodorant and all these things. And if your kids are like mine, they're not ever just neatly in their drawers like they're supposed to be, you know. And so we have flashlights, but it's different than if the lights had just come on. 
It's like that in our life, man. I'm telling you, people just stumble around. They just don't know. They don't know what to look for. They're not quite sure where to walk. They're uncertain. Christ says, I'm the light. I've, I've given you this direction right here. Even to the believer that kind of stumbles around, this is our God. This is your truth. This is the light upon the path in which you walk. Use it. It offers us hope. Christ says, I've come to give you salvation. I've come to give you light. I've come to give you direction and hope in your life. You just need to do something about it. Now let's continue. We need, we need to finish this up, right? So we see the birth of Christ. God comes in flesh to dwell among us, to live among us. He comes to offer us life and light so we can see and understand the difference and walk where he wants us to walk. And then verse 6. Pull up John 1, 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Let's stop there for just a second. Here's the third truth I want you to see. The birth of Christ calls us to do extraordinary things. The birth of Christ calls us to do extraordinary things. And some of y'all are thinking, oh, he's just throwing in acts now. He's just, trying to, he's just trying to remind. I want to show you what I'm doing right here. I want you to see this. This is, this is critical to understanding this text. Right, first five verses, if you were to read back through them, have just this picture of glory and eternity and creation and just big, kind of deep, weighty theological understanding. Big issues here. Right, the light of the world. Those are all very important ideas. And then all of a sudden, verse 6. Pull verse 6 back up if you would for me, please. All of a sudden, out of the blue, there was a man. Right, so this big glorious picture of creation and eternity and God and salvation in Christ and all the light of the world. All of those big, glorious, beautiful ideas. And all of a sudden, in verse 6, there was a man. A very simple, plain, and in fact, if you were to go back, just so you're clear, this John here is not the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. That's John the Baptist that we're talking about in verse 6. John the Baptist was not only an ordinary man, he was a little strange. I mean, he lived out in the wilderness. The Bible tells us he ate like grasshoppers, students, locusts. But he, he sweetened them a little bit by putting honey on them, so it was okay, I guess. He wore camel hair, right? He's living out in the, in the wilderness. And here's the incredible thing about John. He's just this strange, sort of ordinary guy. He's out in the desert all by himself. But because he was called by the Lord and sent by God, he was able to do extraordinary things. And so John prepares the way of the Lord, right? He calls people to repentance. He, he calls people to baptism. And here's the incredible thing. Pull, pull verse 8 up, if you would, for me, please. I'm sorry, 6. Go to 6 and we're going to do 8. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God. I did the whole series last year on sent, right? He's got a plan. It's just not some random event. God sends John to do some very specific things in verse 6. Now verse 8. For he was not the light, but he came to do what? Bear witness. Right? We're doing this whole series on ordinary to extraordinary. And I, and I have conversations with people. Like I had a conversation last week with a lady in my office. And she said to me, I'm still not convinced God can do extraordinary things through me. That's what she said. We had a great conversation about that. But here's what I would say to you. Sometimes we, we think the extraordinary means we're going to be transported like Philip was with the Ethiopian eunuch. Right? We're just going to disappear. And that may happen. I, we laughed a little bit about that last week. That may happen. But sometimes, guys, the extraordinary is found in the simple the extraordinary thing that John did is he basically pointed people to Christ. That's extraordinary, by the way. 
You want to do something extraordinary for Christ today? Point him to Jesus. He, he recognized very simply he was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. How often are we doing the extraordinary by pointing people to Jesus? The Lord says, listen, I've come to earth. I've taken on flesh. I've given you opportunity. I've given you life. I've given you light. I've called you to do extraordinary things for the sake of my kingdom. What are you going to do about it? Well, this time of year we think about Christmas and we're reminded of Christmas and the glory of the Lord. And so I just want to finish this morning by reading a song. Charles Wesley, brother of John Wesley, if you're familiar, wrote in 1739. I, I'm... I'm, I'm Fearful sometimes that we sing these, these great Christmas carols and we, we're so accustomed to singing them that we don't even listen to the words anymore. And I think it's sometimes good, and this may sound kind of silly to you, but to, to read Christmas carols instead of sing them. Because we sing them, but they're just so rote to us, we don't even think through the meaning. I want to read for you the words of Charles Wesley from 1739. Christ by, heaven high, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. After all the anticipation... After all the waiting, when the time had fully come, Christ arrived. He's got a plan for you. He wants to do extraordinary things through your life. I pray that you'll trust Him enough to let Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this beautiful picture in John chapter 1. Just the depth here of, of who Christ is and who You are, Father. And all that He accomplished and all that He did, Lord, I just, I just pray that we would just remember. Just remember the significance of the birth and what it means to us today, Father. I pray that we would apply these ideas to our lives, Father. We would do something incredible, something radical, something extraordinary by pointing somebody else to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would find comfort or, or maybe be that comfort. Be Jesus to somebody else, Father, in their life. Lord, I pray that you would just do extraordinary things through us, Father. I pray that we would serve you and trust you. I pray that you would use us for the sake of your kingdom. And Father, we're going to serve you and we're going to love you and we're going to give our lives for the sake of all you've called us to be. Give us the strength to be the men and women of God that you desire for us. And we'll praise your name for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar's open. Maybe you just want to pray about the idea of Christ and that incarnation and how he wants to live in your life. This is your time to respond. You come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.